For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What is going on, guys? It is December 26th. It's a 6 6.01. I was a minute late. Sorry, guys. I was um, driving home from my parents' house. I had to drop off something. They um, they lent me their kind of their mini vacuums. I need to clean up my car. And when I got there, I was just letting them know it didn't work. So my dad just let me use like his actual vacuum. So. They they don't live exactly close. As a matter of fact, they, they used to live close, and then they moved kind of, I wouldn't say far, but f- a little bit further than what I'm used to. But anyways, I am here. Uh, I'm not going to miss this show. It is the uh, the year-end award. It's also the decade awards. <clears throat> that's really a, that's that's really all I'm going to have on the docket tonight. I'm, I'm not going to be back next week. I'll let you guys know. Uh, there's no show next week. Um, this is the last show of the year. Remember, the last show of the decade, which is what I've been trying to beat into everybody about uh, this week's show. Um, before I get into that, uh, I just want to kind of go over a few things. The how am I going to put this? I'm not. I'm not getting. Emotional. I might get emotional a little bit, but um. For this past decade, <clears throat> it feels like, uh, I, I said this the other day, it feels like 2010 was last week. Like, that's how that's how fast this decade went by. Um, at the beginning of the decade, I literally had no clue what I was going to do in my life. Like, where I was going to go, who was I going to do it with. I was... I was kind of lost, personally. Um, you know, and now that I'm found, no. Um, I was lost. I had no direction in my life. I was 21, still living in my, still living with my parents. Um, wasn't exactly in a good place. Uh, me- you know, mentally, um, financially, it was it was it was a rough spot. It wasn't easy, and you know, I was I was working you know the job I was working at. And, uh, 2011, the following year, when things kind of started to pick up a little bit, um, that's when I went to Vegas with some friends of mine, with, uh, two good friends of mine, actually, they're, they're my brothers almost, and, you know, it's, uh, I'm having Vegas, um, withdrawals, I need to go back, like, I, I really would love to go back to Vegas, that'll be fun, and, and then not too long after that is when I started going to college, I, Waited four years after I graduated from high school in twenty uh, two thousand. Going to college in twenty eleven, I just I, I, for the longest time I didn't think college was for me. I had no interest in going. I didn't see it as something that really interests me. But over time, I just realized: is this something I'm going to want to do for the rest of my life? Or do I want a career? 
Do I want a job or do I want a career? <laughs> so that's when I started going to college. And I went to community college for five years. I, I just kept switching my major back and forth until finally I just settled on a liberal arts. Liberal arts. Fuck, I, I can't say. I, can't, I have a hard time saying my words. Liberal arts degree which helped me get into UTSA to go after my criminal justice degree, which we'll get into in a bit. I don't fucking care. I keep getting these notifications from Miffy saying, you have to reactivate your protection, which I'll get to when I have the fucking money to do it. So anyways, back to my story. Um, I... I'm, I'm going to college, Then after, then the year after is when I... That's when I started dating my my current girlfriend, which we're already past girlfriend. We're more like we're not married. We don't really plan on getting married or having kids. We're we're together. This is our relationship. And she just became the best thing to happen to me because she helped me get to where I'm at now. Um, I, so I was like. I was um I was at my my parents' house for think for not not Thanksgiving for Christmas yesterday, and my dad had he talked to Betty, which is her name by the way, and he was saying you know she really helped get me where I am today. Um, you know he he and my dad likes to take all the credit for everything, which deservedly so. He helped me get to where I'm at. I mean he wasn't perfect. Um, but then again, who who is perfect? No dad, no parent can ever strive to be perfect. The only thing you really want is you want to make sure your kid is all right. You want to make sure they they have a good they have a good life going forward. They're not doing anything stupid. They're not you know doing drugs or doing anything that causes any harm to themselves or anyone else. The only thing you just want them is just be okay. And then, and. I'm at a point in my life where I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Um, but you know, he, was telling, he was telling her, you know, I like the fact that you got him to where, he was, to where he is now, that he's doing great in his life. And he's able to make his own money and just, you know, pay his bills and take care of himself and also take care of you. And as usual, she took the credit for it. <laughs> Which, again, she deserves all the credit in the world. You know, she... My girl is the best. Um, there's really no other way around it. She is the best. She is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Um, I honestly don't know where I would be without her. She does so much. I mean, not that I don't do anything, but she does a lot. She, to be honest, I don't even know if I'd if I'd have this podcast without her. I don't even know if I if I would have been able to graduate college without her. <coughs> or even get the job I wanted. Or be the person I am without her. So you know she's that's just really it. She's the best. You know, she she gets me. She gets it. Um starting this podcast, um uh, I didn't start really listening to podcasts until like maybe 2015, uh, 20, I think 2013. 
Because before that, it was just mainly, I was just listening to clips online. And it was actually DT. <laughs> I was listening to DT show. And I didn't actually listen to a full show. I would just listen to the clips on Epic Sports. And I was always very fascinated by it. <clears throat> um, after that, it was, um, I think it was Hardwick show, I believe. And then, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast and Jericho's podcast. Didn't start listening to Wrestling Soup until 2016. And been a fan ever since. They, you know, I've said this a million times before, and I don't want to like keep saying the same thing over and over again. I don't want to sound like I'm blowing them or anything, but they inspired me to do this podcast, and not because I want to do it, and not because, hey, they're doing a podcast, I want to do it too. They inspired me to do it because... You know, Miss John and Joe, when they do their podcasts, what makes them unique, what makes them interesting and entertaining and successful is the fact that they are just guys. They are just guys talking about something that they love and other shit. Not not just wrestling, and that's and that's the tag on with wrestling soup is that they're not a they're not necessarily a wrestling show. They just happen to be called wrestling. and that's what always appealed to me is that I can make my show about the shit that I like and that's what they were able to do and then they were able to branch out and do other things you know they they made their they made their patron I'm not crying by the way I had a piece of candy before I got on which is apparently a big no but they branched out and, you know, made, you know, their patron. They did, they were doing shows like Global Blogging with John Draper, who John Draper joined the ride in, in 2015, I believe. And you got Mish doing other stuff with DT. You know, they show, I've, I've always, you know, thought that the more entertaining shows they do when, is when they're not talking about wrestling. Is when they're just talking about life. And... That just shows that they have range as, you know, podcasters. As, you know, as uh, I, I don't know if they want to if they want me calling them entertainers, but they have range to where they they don't just have to talk about wrestling to be a good show. They can talk about life. They can talk about movies. They can talk about comic books. You know, they can talk about music. It's that's why they are who they are, and that's why they will continue to be who they are. They'll always be successful. Um, they're always gonna be who they are because they don't try and sell. They don't try and be who they, they don't try to be something they're not. Um, and I, that's just—I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Is that they're they're amazing. They're great. Um, people respect them because they're just genuine people. They don't try to be someone they're not. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm so glad, again, I'm glad that I can consider John a friend, and I'm glad I consider Mish a friend. I have Joe on Facebook, and, you know, we, we talk every now and then, we kind of, I think we bond through the fact that we both have torties, torty cats, so, um, and the friendships I've been able to make through podcasting, you know, through the Wrestling Suit family, like, like John Draper, like... Um, like Julian from the from Wrestling Court, like Rob, 
Um, Angie Carlick uh, with False Count Radio. Uh, Ruben Prime, uh, good dude. Trez, longtime friend, longtime friend of mine, longtime friend of the show. Kevin Castle. It's it's our Texas podcast massacre. Um, it's it's un, it's it's very overwhelming. The type of success I've been able to find through the show and the people I've, and the people I meet. And when about like two three years ago, I just, I was just a listener. I mean, I'm still a listener, but I was a listener, and now I can consider these guys friends. You know, and they consider me friends, which again. I I hope that they feel the same way about me, and you know you know John mentions being my name on the show. He considers me a friend, and it, again it's very it gets very overwhelming sometimes because you kind of have to sit back and relax, and you have to you have to sit back and go, wow, like how like how like how did I get here? And and it's only about to be my second year. I still have a long ways to go before I can even consider myself. I wouldn't, I'm not, here's the thing. I wish I had a a fraction of the success that Wrestling Soup has. Again, I still have a long way to go. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm just glad I have success of, of some type of merit or some type of success, if that makes sense. I know I'm rambling, I'm sorry, but I just want to get that out of the way. Um, This decade's come to a close, this year's coming to a close. Um, I just want to say to everybody that listens, everyone that downloads, everyone that, uh, that adds me on Twitter, that, that, you know, retweets, I just want to say thank you guys. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. That means a lot. That means a lot to, that, that really does mean a lot to me that you guys appreciate the show the way you appreciate it. And hopefully in this next year, this next decade, um, let's see where this takes us. I mean, I don't care if I get three listeners or 30 listeners or 300 listeners. What matters to me is that I got listeners. I got people that love the show and that show the show love and support. So, again, bottom of my heart, guys, thank you so much. I love all you guys. And I mean that. I really do mean that. Um, I guess there's really nothing else I need to talk about other than... The uh, the year end awards, my uh, my year end slash decade awards. Oh, and Yuck Nessie retweeted. Shout out to Yuck Nessie, by the way, another good friend of the show. Made me the theme for the show. And uh, how can I forget Shaheen? Shaheen from Nuclear Graphics from Wrestling Overdose, who made me the logo for the show. So shout out to those two guys. <laughs> so let's get into my. Um, my decade, my my awards, my Yari awards, my second annual Yari awards. Um. Now remember, these are just opinions. These are just my opinions. These are just how I feel. Um, I'm not trying to say this is necessarily who I think automatically everyone should agree with, but these are just this is just my opinion. It's just an opinion show. If you don't agree with it, let me know. So I don't know if I should start from the bottom or the top. I guess I should just start from the bottom. Uh, Rookie of the Year went with Rhea Ripley. Um, beginning of the year, she said, you know, she said a really like interesting year. Like beginning of the year, she becomes the first ever UK NXT champion. 
and then she comes to NXT. Or no, she she was in the Rumble, I remember that. Then she comes to NXT, and she ends up almost single-handedly leading the NXT women over the main roster women. And then she becomes the NXT Women's Champion. <laughs> She's had a big year, and... I mean, this is kind of technically a rookie year because I know I remember she got signed. I think she, I think she was in the May Young Classic last year, but I think this is this has been like her first actual year on the main roster. So, um, how is she going to pan out this year? If she gets put on the main roster, she needs to be booked as a killer, like book her against someone that's actually going to make her look good. Don't put her in the ring with someone like Alexa Bliss. Or Carmella. Put her in there with, with people that will make her look interesting. That will make her look appealing to the crowd. Like Charlotte. Or Becky. Or, uh, you know, Shayna. She's going to come to the main roster, apparently. You know, her and Ronda would be money. That would be almost like a like a passing of the torch. Her and I would be interesting. Because you have two, you know, Goliath women out there. Just beating the fuck out of each other. I, I think... I think her year will be fine. Shayna is apparently going to go to the main roster. She's the talk is that she might even appear in the in the Rumble and win it and go on to face Becky. So uh, I don't know how long Rhea is going to hold that title on for. I would imagine it's going to be for a while. I don't. I at this moment I don't really see anyone else taking that title from her. <coughs> uh, most improved I put Baron Corbin. And it's kind of a fair assessment. Um, I'm not a Baron Corbin fan at all. But I can, I can call like I see. I can call a spade a spade. He he has improved. He has very much improved. I mean, granted, you put him in there with guys like Cedric Alexander or Chad or Chad Gable. Uh, what's going on, John, the cartoon guy? You put you put him in there with those guys. Of course, they're going to make him look good. I mean, his matches aren't bad. They're not ex- they're not unwatchable. Uh, to his credit, he has embraced. This heel role, you know, he he was on um he was on backstage and he was talking to CM Punk and you know Booker T and them, where he said you know that he embraced that you know that villain heel role that you know he apparently I think he does you know read his social media and that he does see what people say about him and he embraced it like the whole joke about him wearing vests and you know a lot of us saying he looks like an Applebee's waiter. He was like, all right, that bothers you, so I'm just going to wear it again. I'm just going to wear more and more vests, more and more vests on each show. Just to show you how much I don't give a rat's ass. Just to show you that I hate all of you or whatever. So to his credit, he has embraced his role as a heel. He knows how to be a heel. He knows how to stay the fuck off of social media. And again, he's gotten a lot better in the ring. Um, but doesn't mean I like seeing him in every single role. Doesn't mean I don't want to see him take up TV time. This whole thing with him and Roman, I'm kind of glad it's done. So, we'll see what happens with Baron down the line. Um, asshole of the year. That's an interesting. That's an interesting category I chose. Um, uh, it's it's interesting. I actually chose two people for that. Uh, Midget Aioli. I, I, I hope I pronounced that right. 
So asshole of the year, who did I? Ch- I ch- I chose. It was actually a tie. It was a male and a female. I chose Seth Rollins and Paige. Paige has been an asshole all year with just her online, just her just continuing to shit talk fans. Like, what doesn't help her is that she'll shit talk fans when nobody has even said anything to her. There, there is the whole situation where she blamed the fans for the, the for the mistreatment of women in the WWE, and I'm forgetting who posted this, but somebody had posted, you know, recent article like articles from the past and videos of you know women from the WWE, you know, saying how they were held back, like they were telling stories about how they wanted to do certain things in the ring, and the agents were telling them, no, you can't do that. That's for the men. And, of course, Paige literally had nothing to say about it. So, and she just continued to do it. And then she apparently left Twitter and went on Instagram. So, I uh, just, I don't, I don't care for Paige. I'm not a fan of hers. I, I, I used to be a fan of hers, but she just, she didn't really do herself, she didn't really do herself any favors with her, with her attitude. With how she deals with the fans, with how she deals with people on social media. You know, now she's on that backstage show, which, uh, again, does nothing for me. Like, uh, how she's even still with the company is beyond me. How she still gets a paycheck, I don't get it. Um, She has to have dirt on somebody. She's either either blowing somebody or she has dirt on somebody. Because I I just, again, I don't get it. Uh, Seth Rollins... Um, I mean, it's kind of self-evident, you know, there's the whole thing with, uh, with him and Will Ospreay talking about getting paid and blah, blah, blah. And then him just continuing to go after the fans. And then I forget which show he was on. He made a comment. Oral skills can't be that good. Can they? I don't know, John. Um, it depends on who you ask. They they have to be good enough that the fact that she's still in the fucking company. Seth Rollins just it was it's a combination of uh, I'm trying I'm trying to really think because there's been a lot being, there's a there's a lot going on with old Colby the whole thing with him and uh, him and uh, what you call it Will Ospreay on Twitter talking shit and then him talking about AEW and then there's the whole thing with him and Becky where they just I don't really, th- you know, I don't really think it was the whole Becky thing. I just think it's just the fact that Seth cannot shut the fuck up. And and I get it. He has to be a cheerleader for the WWE. He he has to defend his company, which you know, good for him. But he just needs to stay off of social media. He needs to take like a week or two away from the company. Not well, not the company, but social media. But again. Just does not want to shut his fucking mouth. And then he was he made a comment on a radio show where he was saying, um, you know, I'm not like Roman or John Cena. I'm not going to not say something on social media, which is like um, one of these things are not like the other. Seth. <laughs> that's why as much as much as you know, people want to shit on John Cena, John Cena knows how to work the media. He knows what to say and what not to say. You know, Roman, once upon a time, would do that on social media, but then he kind of leaned off of it. 
I think that's one thing Seth just needs to shy away from, which is stay the fuck off of social media. Like, just don't. Don't bother with it. You're not doing yourself any favors. Um, yeah, that's my cho- that's my choice for assholes of the year, actually. Seth and Paige. Feud of the year. Uh, that was that was kind of an interesting choice. I I was kind of going back and forth on what was the most interesting feud. I went with Becky and Rhonda. Um, what made I think what made Becky Lynch more interesting was the fact that she had Ronda Rousey there. And their back and forth on social media I thought was interesting. We never did get that big singles match at Mania, which, looking back at that match, that's something that screamed this should have been a singles match. But that triple threat match was not very good. It was very much all over the place. It really should have been a singles match. And, you know, it looks like we might be be getting that Mania this year. But, I don't know. I mean, that's really the only feud I can think of that was really interesting. Uh, The only feud that's that's been currently going on that's, I guess, being given a storyline and, like, national attention is, uh, is the whole Lana and Rusa feud, and I hate that feud. Yeah, I went with Becky and Ronda. So, uh, future, what was I going to say? Future stories and or future stars in twenty twenty. Um, Killer Cross, wherever he goes, is going to be a big star. Um, I think he should go to WWE, partly because Scarlett's there. If if he were to go to another company, I think that would maybe uh, be a little tough on the relationship. But Killer Cross is going to go wherever he wants to go. That's, he's going to go. He's going to want to do what's going to make him happy. He's going to go to a company that's going to pay him well and make him look like a star. And again, wherever he goes, he's going to be a star. Uh, Keith Lee, another big star. I, I put up the idea last week when I had Ruben Prime on that I think he's going to be in the Rumble, and I think he could win it. Um, what I proposed was... He comes out, and it ends up, and it comes down to him and Roman <clears throat> as a way to kind of close the close, kind of uh, close the door on that uh, on that match that happened with him and Roman at Survivor Series, where it was him and Roman as the last two guys, where the entire crowd went ape shit for for Keith Lee. So that'd be a nice way to kind of close the book on that, and also you can let Keith kind of get his kind of get his win back against Roman. And have Keith go against Brock at Mania. Keith looks like someone who that you could believe beating Brock because he's kind of the same size as Brock. He's very he's very likable. He's good on the mic, good in the ring. I know a lot of people's thing about him is that he he looks like he's too smiley, like he doesn't really have a very intimidating face. But Don Tony put it in an interesting way, which is. Yeah, he looks like a nice guy, but if you get him angry, he'll beat the shit out of you. And you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that side of him. And I think that's very interesting. Because Big E E has good personality. He's very good in the ring. I love him. He needs to be a guy that has a singles push. I can't picture Big E as a guy that's angry. 
I don't think Big E can pull off angry. I mean, I, I think I believe him when he's serious. But I just don't see him as an angry guy. As someone that I can see, oh, he's going to beat the shit out of you. Keith Lee is more of that guy, if that makes sense. Um, MJF, MJF, I think, I think he's already there. Um, he's kind of working on it because I don't, as far as I know, they're not, he's not being put in like main event spots. He's still in a feud with Cody, but he's going to get there on more of his personality alone. Him in the ring, he's okay. He's not amazing in the ring. He, he doesn't like, like the world on fire as a, as a singles wrestler in the ring. But his personality alone makes up for that. And that's missing with a lot of guys. Because a lot of guys think they need to do triple threat or triple summer moonsaults or whatever to get over. MJF is a perfect example of what The Undertaker said on Steve Austin's show, which was, I cared more about getting the character over rather than getting myself over. I wanted to get that character over so that way I could get away with going out there and having five-star matches. And that's what MJF is doing. He's getting his character over. Because if he just goes out there right off the bat and tries to have these five-star classics, he's just really going to be known as, oh, he's just a guy who can go out there and have a good match. He doesn't really have a character. And MJF has a character, which is he's an asshole. (laughs) He's a smarmy Jewish asshole. And I fucking love it. I love MJF. I love him on Twitter, by the way. Uh, Adam Page... Another guy I think that could be a star. Of all like the elite guys, I think Adam Page is someone that has a better upside. Um, that might upset a lot of people. That's just my opinion. He's someone that if they really build him up, he can be the biggest star in AEW. Which is which is always I was I wasn't shocked that they gave it to Jericho because they're a new company and they need all you know eyes and ears to the product. So you put a more familiar face in that role. I was shocked as I was shocked to the fact that they didn't really do anything with Adam Page after that. They just kind of put him in like random tag matches. They had him jump out to Neville. So I'm thinking this is a guy that has a look. He has a really good look, and he can work. He's not terrible on the mic. He's a guy that WWE can put on TV. He's one of maybe the few guys in AEW that are TV ready. Anyways, I again, I hope, I hope you know they come to their senses, realize this guy is money. We can put him in this spot, and people will buy it. Um, yeah, my stars, Matt Riddle. I've kind of weaned off of him a little bit. I don't know. There's just. All right, he good personality, good on the mic, but there's just something missing. It doesn't seem like the I don't know if the company is trying to cool him off a little bit because they don't want him they don't want him to seem like too much of a star before they really decide to push him. But I don't know. It's just there's I guess it's because I already think he's a star and not a future star. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. That, that's just I guess that's just how I feel about him. Uh, let's get into the year and decade awards. Uh, tag team of the year. 
I went with the Kabuki Warriors. The best thing they did for those girls was making them heels. And not trying to do the whole, hey, we're happy Asian girls, and hey, I'm a pirate. Like, no, make them heels. And also getting Paige away from them. Like, that was probably the best thing that ever, that ever happened to him. And then, and then uh, Asuka just ended up spitting this in her face. I just thought that was awesome. They became heels. Just go out there and talk shit to people in uh, in uh, in their native language, which I, I had to explain this to my sister in law because she was like, you know, if you're gonna come to America, you might as well speak English. And before anyone gets it twisted, she's this wasn't an old white woman saying this. My sister in law, my my girl's Mexican, thus her sister's Mexican. So, and she wasn't saying like a hateful way or anything. She was more just like, you know, why can't they just speak English? It's like, well. It's just a wrestling one-on-one, you know? If you're going to be a heel and you want to piss people off, the best way to piss off, you know, these American wrestling fans is, you know, speak in a language that they can't fucking understand. That's going to piss them off. That's going to piss them off more than anything, and I love it. And I love how they become bad girls out there, out there wearing black and red. Um, Kari's not a, not a pirate anymore, which is good. And then they just changed their entrance music. They didn't like try to do the whole mashup thing anymore, which I hate. They gave them actual, like actual tag team music. Like this is a tag team. Then this isn't just a tag team thrown together. This is an actual tag team. So I love them. Yeah, they can go out there and have great matches. They go out there and have great matches. Just beat the shit out of people. Uh, tag team of the decade. Oof. That's a tough one. <clears throat> Uh, my choice, I had to go with New Day, because this team, they've been together for five years, and they consistently have gone out there, like, they, they consistently go out there and have good matches and get the crowd hyped, and WWE doesn't have a lot of people like those. Like, they've managed to stay relevant. They've managed to not go through these storylines where it looks like they're going to be broken apart. What I like about the New Day is that these guys are actually friends. These guys aren't just like they're in a gimmick together. No, they're actual friends. Big E, Kofi, and Xavier are legit friends. They know each other's families. They've slept over at each other's houses. They stay together. They band, they they're able to kind of fight the system together, and they've been able to make it work. You know, the, the new day aren't a small, you know, class of guys that are able to go out there and stay over. Like they don't need titles to be over. They're already over. They're already so merged. You know they're entertaining. Uh, Xavier, Xavier's um, his YouTube show—it's you know making the company a lot of money. So they're in a position where I don't think the WWE will ever fire them. Uh, they could like they could kill. They can like kill an entire uh, senior citizen home, and I don't think the company will ever fire them because. They just make them too much money. I thought it was a little dark, but I'm just like, that's the only thing I can think of. And then you had Kofi win the title, which, again, that, that was a great moment. Uh, seeing Kofi win and just seeing, like, the real raw emotion on Xavier and Biggie's face because that was their boy. 
and they they supported their boy. I like that they didn't try to like break him apart when Kofi, you know, was champion. They had they had all those guys support each other, and and it was good. It's good to watch guys, guys and girls that just look like they they, they love being there, that they support each other. That when the other guy is successful, they're going to be happy for him, and then they're going to fight for him. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, New Day is my uh, tag team of the decade. Um, probably by the end of next of the next decade, they might even be the tag team of that decade. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, what's my next category? I wrote all this down earlier. So, uh, worst match of the year. Oof. There are a lot of stinkers. There was too many to go through. I didn't know if I should rate it by how sloppy the match was or just the concept of the match. I had to go with Seth Rollins versus Braun at a night of champions just for the sheer fact of Braun is no longer a threat. I mean, Braun at the end of the day can kick my ass, but on TV, they have made him look like a bitch. And the fact that Braun goes for like some type of, it was like a off the top rope splash onto Seth and Seth kicks out at two was fucking stupid. Like, that should have never happened. Seth should have never taken that splash and kicked out. What should have happened was Seth should have gotten out of the way. Like, there's no reason why Braun should have laid down for Seth. He should not have taken a clean pin. That should have been a fuck finish. That should have been a a countout. Or a disqualification or something. The fact that Braun laid down for Seth and that Seth had to kick out of his splash. It's like if a giant truck fell onto Seth and Seth kicked out it too. It's, it, 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 was, it was stupid. It should have never happened. And it ruined, I think to me that officially ruined Braun's credibility. The whole Nicholas thing, I think the whole Nicholas thing was cute, but that's what kind of started Braun's in the people's eyes, that's what kind of ruined Braun's credibility. This is what officially killed it dead. I don't. I personally don't ever see Braun ever being a champion in this company. Maybe like a, maybe like a mid card champion, like an Intercontinental, but him ever being the face of the company, him ever being. You know, the world champion main eventing WrestleMania, which should have happened a while back. It'll never happen. Solely based on that match. In my eyes, um, Seth buried him. The company buried him for that spot. It That's why it's my worst match of the year. And it was tough choosing between that and The Fiend and, you know, Seth, because I don't really think that match ruined The Fiend. I know a lot of people did. But, you know, hey, you know, he's been doing all right for himself. He's a champ. But Seth destroying Braun is, in my opinion, the worst match of the year. Uh, the worst match of the decade. This is kind of easy. Uh, Sting versus Jeff Hardy. And in 2011, I'm forgetting the name of the pay-per-view event. Was it, I think it was like, 
Victory Road? Was it Victory Road or Genesis? Hold on, I need, I need to look that up. Sting versus Jeff Hardy in 2011. Here's a summary from Wikipedia. Victory Road was a professional... There you go, Victory Road. Uh, again, solely based on the fact that Jeff Hardy showed up, like, drugged out and drunk or whatever, to wrestle. And you can tell Sting was pissed off. The whole crowd was pissed off. The whole crowd was training bullshit after the match. Why they even let Jeff go out there, which is, is still beyond me. You know, Eric Bischoff talks about it, you know, that, you know, against his better judgment, you know, he he had to let him go out there. But he decided to go out there and, you know, kind of twist the match and turn it into a no DQ. And they just roll up and Sting puts him in a scorpion dust drop and pins him. And I think I think he retained the title or he I think he was already the champion or he, retain, or he won the title. I don't know. And then Jeff no-sells it. And he just, like, sits there in the corner of the ring. Again, concept. The fact that Jeff Hardy was just completely pilled out. It fucked up a pay-per-view. It, already, it almost ruined a company. I mean, not to say that Impact is in better shape. How Impact has been able to last this long is just beyond me. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be fucked up. It's gonna be fucked up that AEW... Like, let, what if AEW goes out of business next year and Impact Wrestling is still in business? <laughs> oh, man. That'll be, not saying I want it to go out of business. I'm just saying that would be funny. That would be so hilarious. Oh, man. Um, yeah, those are my choices. Worst matches of the year and decade. You're more than welcome to challenge me on that. Worst angle of the year. Had to go with uh, Lana Rusev Lashley. Um, I, I guess the only good thing about that angle is that it looks like Rusev is having fun with it. Uh, I saw the promo on Monday where Rusev was alluding to that, uh, you know, he was saying that women and men were kissing him. And Joe Numbers put up the idea of, like, what if Rusev shows up to Raw next week with a guy? That would make the feud more interesting. I think it would. And then I put up the idea of, like, they should totally make a t-shirt saying Rusev Day is for everybody. And not to say, not to, you don't have to make Rusev gay. Not that that would be a bad thing, but you don't have to make him gay. You can maybe make him bisexual. I don't know. Like say, you can be, you can be straight, you can be bi, you can be gay, you can be a transsexual and enjoy Rusev Day. Rusev Day is for everybody to enjoy. Like, have Rusev come up with a guy and then have Lana try her hardest not to be a homophobe and then be like, you chose him over me. Like what a downgrade Rusev. And then just have like the guy be like, Oh, you have a problem with gay, with gay men, sweetheart. Like that would just, that would be amazing to watch. Like WWE try their hardest not to make Lana look like a fucking homophobe. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, the food, the feud's pretty hard to watch. I, I don't care about Bobby Lashley at all. And Lana is just very unlikable. Um, again, I love Rusev. What can we say? I couldn't find the worst deck, the worst storyline of the decade though. Like I was racking my mind trying to find a, a storyline from this past decade that was so bad. 
And I just, I really couldn't. It was hard. There were so many bad ones that I couldn't just pinpoint on one. So I was only able to find my year one. Uh, biggest moment of the year. Uh, Kofi. Uh, Kofi Mania. Uh, Mustafa Ali getting hurt against against Randy Orton and having to pull himself out of that Elimination Chamber match. <clears throat> so Kofi had to take that spot and it went from there. Kofi winning the title at Mania, I think, is what main media made, oh my god, made WrestleMania. That should easily been the main event and not the women. Um... I mean, we don't have, tw- we don't have, we can't see into the future, so we didn't know how bad the match was going to be, but looking back on it, if you had to switch everything around, you could have made Kofi the main event. That was the more interesting story on getting to Mania, and that was the biggest moment. So, uh, what's next? Decade, biggest moment of the decade, CM Punk. Um, I reckon he had two big moments, uh... The Summer of Punk, where he went out and delivered the ever-famous pipe bomb. And then when he left the WWE, when he left wrestling and just decided to walk out and quit. Which, according to him, he's a wrestler, he's an independent contractor, so he didn't really leave. But CM Punk has had two of the biggest moments in the, of the decade. As a matter of fact, three, if you want to count him returning. I remember where I was during that pipe bomb. I was at a, I was at like an apartment complex and I was in the gym. We were playing basketball and the end of Raw came on. CM Punk came out and cut his, you know, cut that pipe bomb. I just remember thinking, I have a feeling that he wasn't supposed to say certain things. That they, well, it was revealed that they allowed him to go out there air his grievances, but he went a little bit too far. And that's why they had to cut him off. That's still the best promo of this decade. Not, maybe not the best promo of all time, but the best promo of this decade. And then, you know, going on to have the longest, one of the longest title reigns of the decade. And he ends up walking out. He walks out because just, he got tired of, you know, the fucking politics. He got, he was hurt. I mean, he was hurt physically and, and emotionally and mentally. And he just didn't like how things were run. And he left and was able to, do other things outside the company that he wasn't able to do before. He was in a movie, which I haven't seen, which I heard is actually very good. Uh, the Girl on the Third Floor. Or was it Girl on the Third Floor or Second Floor? I don't know. And, you know, married A.J. Lee, you know, married his beautiful wife. He's happy. Uh, worked for Marvel, wrote some Marvel comic books. Uh, went to the UFC, which, you know, was what it was. And came back to the WWE in 2019. Well, came back to Fox. You know, in his words, he's a Fox employee. Which, at the end of the day, I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to come back to the Rumble, in my opinion. I think he's going to come back. There's just... He's going to wrestle Seth, and then Seth is going to... Seth will die for... for <laughs> he will die for CM Punk's sins. <laughs> uh, but... CM Punk, again... He had three of the biggest moments of the decade. Um, most overrated. Most overrated of the year. Again, this might not sit right with a lot of people. Uh, Kenny Omega. 
I I acknowledge that he's talented. I just don't think he's that great. I don't think he's as great as people perceive him out to be. To me, he's just he just seems like another internet darling. You know, and CM Punk was an internet darling, but CM Punk became bigger than bigger than life. He became larger than life. He got over and, and proved that he wasn't one dimensional. Uh, Daniel Bryan, same thing. He proved that he wasn't one dimensional. Kenny just seems very one-dimensional to me. Like, it just seems like he has the same match. It, uh, him talking, I don't believe. I don't believe anything he says when he talks. He just, he does the same shit. And him being in AEW, I think, works for him. I think if he came to WWE, it wouldn't have worked out. He would, he just would have been another guy. He would not have been AJ Styles. Which, again, another AJ Styles proved that he wasn't one-dimensional. I'm just again. I don't. I'm not a fan of Kenny Omega. A lot, I know a lot of people are. I prefer Adam Page over him. Um, simply the fact that Adam Page looks legit. He looks like a guy that's ready for TV. Kenny Omega is not. I'm sorry. Of the decade, Nikki Bella. Um, it, it was pretty obvious why she was in the spot she was in, because she was dating John Cena, and because they hated AJ Lee. Because Asia Lee had the balls to go out there and call it Stephanie McMahon. And then Stephanie McMahon was going to be like, oh, I want Asia Lee back. Yeah, now you do, bitch. <sighs> she just was not very good in the ring. I mean, I thought Brie was a little better than her, but... Brie... Uh, actually, they both, they both, they're both fucking terrible. I don't know what I'm saying, but... Brie, I think, is more likable than her. I mean, yeah, she had that fuck-up with, with Liv, but... Bria, I think, is more likable than Nikki. Nikki just comes off as a cunt. She comes off as a really unlikable fucking cunt. And I I still laugh when I see that. The, that whole thing with her, John, on, um, on Total Divas, where she's like, I, I think I still have feelings for Dolph. For Dolph Ziggler. And John just goes, eh, well, go for it. Almost as if to say, you know, are you sure you want a mid-carter over me? And I don't think John would have given two fucks. <laughs> but yeah, Nikki, I just, I never care for Nikki Bella. I don't care for the Bellas in general. Uh, worst wrestler of the year, Alexa Bliss. Like, I'm going to pose the question. How many Alexa Bliss feuds have happened where the other wrestler comes out looking good? None. The whole thing with Bailey, that I think that's what kind of started cr- killing her career dead. Is just that whole that this is your life, you know, Bailey thing. That was just bad. That was B A D bad. And the uh, the Nia Jax thing just made Nia look weak. Like, are we supposed to? Are we honestly supposed to believe that Alexa Bliss is bullying Nia Jax? Like, yeah, she's calling her fat, but it's just. Are we really supposed to believe that Alexa Bliss can go out there and work a match against Nia Jax? Like, that WrestleMania match, Nia should have just killed her. She should have just beat the shit out of her and then pin her and not go out there and have a competitive match. And then there's the thing with her and Nikki Cross, which, you know, God bless Nikki Cross, I love her, but this tag team with her and Alexa does not work. The crowd seems like they do not care about Alexa Bliss anymore. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure you still have little girls, you know, wearing like the gloves and everything. But other than that, she's just she's not very good. And this is coming from someone who used to support her. I I guess I like her for obvious reasons now, just for the fact that she looks good in shorts. But she's not a very good wrestler. I didn't choose a decade one because someone could have been a bad wrestler in one year and improved the next year. So, I mean, I could have said Baron Corbin was the wrestler was the worst wrestler of the decade, but he also improved. I could have said Drew McIntyre, but he also improved. You know, I mean, I could have said Bobby Lashley, but he's he's not really that terrible. I mean, he's boring. You can, there's a difference between someone who's boring and just not good. You know, like Zack Sabre Jr. is he's okay in the ring, but he's kind of boring to watch. Um, again, that might struck I might struck a chord with some people, but you know, it's my show. I don't give a fuck. Uh, but yeah, that's why I didn't choose a decade one. Uh, let's get to matches. Um, match of the year. I'll go with Adam Cole and Jardine Gar- Johnny Gargano at TakeOver New York. Uh, again, told a great story. Great back and forth. A lot of a lot of a lot of false counts. Like a like a shit ton of false counts. Like a lot a lot more than I'm what I'm used to. Overall told a great story about how Adam Cole just he finally got to where he wanted. He finally got to the promise and he finally became the world champion. It was a great moment after the show where he's, you know, talking. He's with the fans. He's with his family. He's crying. Um, it was a great moment for Johnny. And then the very next month, he ends up losing the title. So, but um, that was a great match. I love. I, you know, I'm a big fan of both guys. Match of the decade. Again, these are just my opinions. You don't have to agree with them. CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago. Um, that was on my birthday, actually. That was on uh, that was on my 22nd birthday. I and I got to enjoy it by watching this amazing program between these two. Punk is what really made the match. You know, John Cena went out there and performed like he did, but Punk is what made the match because a it was in Chicago. B you know he's a Chicago boy. B you know, Punk was supposed to play heel, but he was also, without a doubt, the biggest face in the company because he was a rebel. He was rebelling against the WWE system. He was rebelling against uh, Vince McMahon. He was rebelling against John Cena. <laughs> and, you know, again, that match told a great story. When a match has a story, it will always be entertaining. When there's no story behind that match, it it kind of falls flat. And those two went out there and told a great story. Punk told a great story. You know, he kind of broke that fourth wall, which is interesting. Um, he wins the match, and then he leaves the title. And I know you just said you weren't a fan, but I really like the Omega. I thought that I uh, I thought that match was okay. Uh, was was that match last year? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, I thought the I thought the match was okay. Omega and Jericho. Um, I just uh, yeah, John. I just don't watch. I I try to watch AEW as much as I can. I watch NJPW as much as I can. Um, some ROH, some Impact. Um, again, there's just like a dick ton of wrestling. No, not not their not their AEW match. 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. The NJPW was like it, it was like literally at the beginning of last year, and because that was when they were like teasing on Twitter, and then you know Jericho came out during a during an NJPW event. Yeah, I remember that. That match was okay. It was a pretty it was a pretty good match. I can watch a non WWE match and admit when it's good. You know, I, I like some NJPW stuff. I like some AEW stuff. I can acknowledge when AEW does something good. You know, same thing with Impact. You know, like for example, Killer Cross. I was only watching Impact because Killer Cross was on, and that's it. Um, AEW, I like when Jericho's on. I like I like the Moxie segments, but um, <clears throat> but there's just like they just there's just like a shit ton of wrestling. On them. There's just like a. Th- it just it feels like you sneeze and there's like four more wrestling shows on. You know, same thing with NWA. I fell off with NWA because again, there's just too much wrestling on. And yeah, we're fans, but we need a breather from all this wrestling every now and then. Shit. But uh, going back to Punk and and Cena, the match told a great story. They built up to it, and they were able to pull it off. And then the very next month. Uh, or like two months after that, John, Triple H buried Punk, <laughs> which usually, which it's 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 Triple H. We're used to it by now, but he could have fucking put him over easily. Um, and we're getting to the final four. Well, technically final two because it's uh, women of the decade, women of the year, uh, female wrestler of the year, uh, Rhea Ripley. I gave her the rookie of the year, but I'm also giving her the female wrestler of the year. In my opinion, she's had a big year. Uh, again, first she started off the year as the first ever UK NXT Women's Champion, and then she ends the year becoming the NXT Women's Champion. And the sky's the limit for her, as long as they push her right, which I think they will. There's no way they're going to bury her and make her look stupid. She could become the next big thing in the in the business. She's someone that could be legit competition for Ronda. That you can put her in the ring with someone like Ronda and it will look believable. Kind of like I said about Keith Lee, Keith Lee could could beat Brock and it would look believable. You know, you know, and I guess I'm biased because I like Rio. I love Rio so much. She she can work and she can talk. And she looks like she can beat the ever living piss out of you. And she's and she's likable on other one. Female wrestler of the decade. Again, this might again, these are just my opinions. Charlotte. She as much as as much shit as people give Charlotte about you know, oh, she's always in the main event, she's always in this spot, she's, you know, here because, you know, who her dad is. Charlotte can still work. She can go out there and work and have a great match. She can cut a good promo. She looks believable in the ring. I mean, we can talk about all this fucking shit she did to her face and, you know, how bigger her fucking titties look every every week we see her. But that's another story. Charlotte can still work. Um, if I had to pick between her and Becky, I would choose Charlotte. As far as work rate goes, not to, not to say Becky's not, not to say Becky is a bad wrestler. But to me, Charlotte is more legit. She looks more legit. Put her in the ring with Rhea, it would look right. And 
it will look right for Rhea to beat Charlotte. So, I'm a Charlotte fan. I support Charlotte. So, uh, her being like a what a 19 time world, uh, 19 time women's champion in four years. Eh, it's a little too much, but whatever. Uh, John put this. There is such a thing as too much competition. Look up the North American video game crash of 1983, 84. I'll, I'll look that up, John. I'll do it for you, man. Because you asked me. Um, now we're getting into the males. This is going to be the, the end of the awards. Male wrestler of the year. I'm just going to put it this way. And I've, I've been very adamant about this. These are my opinions. These are just how I'm looking at it. I'm going by consistency. I'm going by work rate. I'm going by someone who's been able to keep themselves relevant and into the lime and, you know, in the limelight, regardless of whatever shitty gimmick program or whatever that they were given. The guy I chose for female wrestler, uh, not female, male wrestler of the year. I also chose him for male wrestler of the decade. And that's Daniel Bryan. Since the beginning of the year, he was already popular. You look at what, what he had to go through since the beginning of the decade. He he was in that you know on that shitty NXT show, which that was before NXT became NXT. And then he was in the Nexus, and then he got fired on his first night with the Nexus. Then he showed up on on SummerSlam and got a huge pop, and had arguably probably the best match of that year with uh, Dolph Ziggler at um, what was it Bragging Rights. After that, became world champion for a little bit and then lost that title in three seconds to Sheamus, which was fucking stupid. And then the year after that is when he started the Yes Movement, which I would have chosen that over Punk, but it was just it was hard. I had to choose Punk. Ever since then, Daniel Bryan has been has been in a position where no matter where they put him in, no matter what segment he is on the card, no matter what gimmick they're giving him, he is always going to be over. The crowd will always cheer him. They will always love him because Daniel Bryan is, he's every man. He's an every man guy. They don't try and give him a dumb gimmick. They give him a look and an attitude to go with it. And it's usually Daniel. It's usually Brian's idea. the The whole evil vegan, you know, Captain Planet idea was him. Because in actuality, Daniel Bryan is a vegan, and he does recycle. He does all that, you know, that all that crazy shit. And him coming out cutting these promos, I thought was interesting. What I thought was really interesting was when they were in uh, Seattle, and he's from Aberdeen, Washington. I thought in my head, like, okay, they're either going to have him shit on his own hometown or they're going to have him do a Bret Hart thing, where in in 97, Bret Hart was a heel in, in America, but in Canada, he was a hero. And for Bret Hart, to him, it's it's Canada versus the USA. It's us against them. We got to fight the system. And I thought that was good. And then they try, and then they put him in attacking with Rowan, 
where, again, they were over because it was Daniel Bryan. And then they brought him back against... They brought him back as a face to fight Bray, which that was probably the best match I've seen Bray had as the Fiend. Um, he's just... Again, Daniel Bryan, Mr. Consistency, Mr. 24-7. He will always have the best match on the card. He will consistently go out there and have the best match on the card. Regardless of who he's working with. Personally... I'd rather see Daniel Bryan versus versus Roman Reigns as a main event at WrestleMania. I mean, I, the Fiend doesn't need to be a champion. The Fiend should not even want to be a champion. Like the point of the Fiend is that he wants to go out there and beat the shit out of people and scare, you know, scare and beat the shit out of them. Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns as a main event for WrestleMania. That's a that's a money matchup. Yeah, two faces. I mean, the crowd I think is gonna is gonna cheer for Daniel Bryan a little bit more. I think the crowd's at a point where they're not going to boo Roman. I think mainly the fact that he has that he has a disease that can literally kill him at any moment. But also because they've been pushing Roman the right way. You know, they, his character is, is actually better. It's more believable. It's more likable. Instead of, yo, man, yo, yo, I'm going to kick your ass. It's like, no, he's just, he's just a guy that's going to... I've always said about Roman Reigns... Push him like Clint Eastwood. He doesn't say a lot, but when he does, it's very impactful. He'd rather just beat your ass and talk. And that's how they've been pushing him, which is good. Uh, but going back to Daniel Bryan, consistent from beginning of the from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade. And you know, now that he's you know shaved his head and literally looking the way he did at the beginning of the fucking decade. Like, it's, it's amazing. Um, personally, I was never a fan of the whole goat look. I, I didn't care for it. That was just me. Um, but Daniel Bryan is my choice for not just wrestler of the year, wrestler of the decade. Hands down. In my opinion. Hands down. Um, that is the end of the show. I'm never, well, that's the end of the, uh, the awards. That's the end of all my, my, my Yari awards. Um... John, thank you for showing up. Uh, spread the word. Spread the word that we had this show. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Again, I, I said at the beginning of the show, thank you to everybody. Thank you to anyone that uh, listens, that downloads, that retweets, that shares, that does anything. Um, Shoutouts are, they're very much, they're very much needed. Uh, Shoutouts to Wrestling Soup. Uh, again, for just being them, for just being who they are, inspired me to start this. Uh, shout out to John Draper, great friend of the show. Uh, DTKC, the you know Don Tony, the the Godfather of podcasting, hands down. I'm not just I'm I'm not just blowing them. It's it's just actual facts. Say what you want about DT, another Mister Consistency. And there's one point where the guy had like I think four podcasts in a week. He had that. Uh, this day in wrestling history, which I look back on that, I'm like, he's a better man than me. For being able to just go through all these archives and find these random facts and audio clips, it's just, it was just interesting. It was crazy. I, I, I don't think he does it anymore. I think it's on like the back burner for now. Uh, Kevin Castle, another good friend of the show. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to uh, the soup and uh, and. Uh, 
DTKC's patron. Just five bucks. Five, 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 five bucks will get you a lot. Um, wrestling court with Julian Rob. You know, Rob's a good friend of mine. We talk a lot on social media. Julian's a good dude. Um, wrestling Corpse. I, I call him Wrestling Corpse. That'd be a good idea for a fucking podcast. Wrestling Corpse. I don't know. I don't know what you would talk about, but Wrestling Corpse. Uh, wrestling Court. Uh, Julian does a lot. Uh, when he's not podcasting, he's out He's out on the red carpet. He's on an assignment. He gets to live, uh, he gets to live that interesting life. Uh, missing somebody. Tyler the Trademark. I know he just had a new episode come out recently, so support him. Tyler's a good dude. Uh, the Mark Report. Support them. Architect Podcast with uh, my good friend Derek. Make sure to listen to his podcast. Him, him and his friend Irving. They cover a lot. They I, I talk about nerdy shit. They kind of go into... Um, they kind of go more behind the scenes, more in-depth detail about it. My voice keeps cracking for some reason. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm hungry. I need to eat something. I'm going to get off here as soon as I can. Uh, the Ruben Prime Podcast. Ruben Prime TV. You can find him on... He has his own website, by the way. Uh, he's a good friend of the show. Good friend of mine, actually. And Trez. forgot to mention her. Trez. Trez, one of, one of my first supporters going to the podcasting. She's just... She's just an all-around good person. You can't find you can't find a bad thing to say about Tris. She's a she's a good person. Um. Oh, oh speak speak of the devil. Castle Chronicles is about to start in a bit. That looks fucking cool, John. Not gonna lie, it looks really cool. Intergalactic Wrestling Federation. Let me just finish my my uh, shoutouts in a bit. I'll answer your question in a bit. Um. And then uh, Texas Podcast Massacre and other other good friends of the show. Been on the show twice. They're good people. If you're a fan of, if you're a fan of horror movies, whether it be past or present, uh, these guys cover it. It's very entertaining. Uh, when they, especially when they talk about bad horror movies, it's very interesting. Again, my voice, my voice is getting kind of is getting kind of parched. I need something to drink like bad. Uh, trying to think of other people. Oh, uh, Andrew Carlick from False Count Radio, good friend of the show. And if I'm forgetting anyone, I'm sorry. Um, again, thank you to everybody who's been on the show, who supports the show, uh, retweets, follows, shares, likes, uh, downloads, listens, listens to it, uh, spreads the word. Thank you guys so much. Uh, again, next week I will be. I won't be here. Um, take, I'm taking next week off. That's going to be a tradition on the show. Um, the last week of, really the last week of December, I'm going to, um, the, the last week of December will be the last, I guess the last show of the year. And then the first week of January, I won't be here. That kind of rhymed. Hate rhyming. Anyways, guys, I will, I will edit and upload the shows as quickly as possible. Again, thank you to everybody, and I will see you next year. Peace out.